Welcome to Dangerously Likely. I'm Caleb. And I'm Terrell. And today, we're Dangerously Likely to talk about a New York Times quiz. Let's go above the fold with this week's headlines. From a report by the Financial Times this past weekend, China apparently tested a hypersonic missile capable of carrying a nuclear bomb. According to the report, the missile went into low orbit around the world and missed its mark by about two dozen miles. If the report is true, China would be testing technology that could get around America's anti-missile defense systems. This would serve as a wake-up call for the U.S. in that China has become incredibly technologically advanced in a very short period of time. Of course, China denies that it was a hypersonic missile test, instead claiming that it was a space vehicle test for going to space. Both are realistic. Yeah. (laughs) In a not so surprising turn of events, Donald Trump is suing the January 6th committee investigating the insurrection. He is claiming executive privilege to not only block the records of requests that the January 6th committee made, but also to only allow them to have documents that his lawyers first get to review. That kind of process would take years if allowed and is probably the point of the whole (laughs) him suing them. Yes. Terrell, what do you make of this? It's funny that someone never told Donald Trump that once you leave the executive branch, you actually lose executive privilege. It gets transferred to the next executive. So him saying I'm calling executive privilege is just another fly to the face that he lost the election 72 times in (laughs) under a year. Um, But additionally, there was a really um, fun like Twitter thread somewhere talking about all of this and how dumb it is and it's a waste of time. Um, Also important to note the appellant judge that is going to oversee this um, lawsuit has historically ruled against Donald J. Trump and also took great joy in sending one of the oath keepers to prison after they called out that they did it in the name of Donald Trump or something. I read it really quickly. Anyway, um, People were just talking about, one, how dumb it is, but two, the fact that this is the same playbook, the same thing. And for me, it's starting to signal that maybe there's a little bit hidden back there that I'm just ready to like let happen. What At this point, what's the worst that we find out that there was an insurrection against the Capitol that was hyper um, uh, hypercharged by a failed leader who lost power and had no other option? Wow, that sounds so surprising. I didn't see that coming. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. Everything <laughs> everything that's happening is not very surprising. It's just kind of has met my expectations so far. Yeah. I am very curious um, to see if the House is actually going to enforce some of the uh, uh, penalties. So ready for the to subpoenas. see. So ready to see Steve Bannon. Steve Bannon. Go to jail for a year? Yeah. Oh. I don't know why that brings me joy. It shouldn't. I'm very much one of those humanitarians who's like, there's still people, blah, blah, blah. But deep mm. down, that brings me joy. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I Look, like, I've always been curious why there isn't repercussions for obeying subpoenas. And now there is. You know, Let's just enforce it. Yeah. Congressional subpoenas versus real subpoenas are very different. Like, Yeah. It's, it is rare that Congress has to go to the step of this because there's a lot of time that the executive branch will just say no to a subpoena and then they'll either litigate it or say it's just not worth the time. And well, I think why. it's time. That's why. <laughs> um, 
And a hundred thousand dollar fine too. Yeah. There was one other really interesting thing that came out of this because there's been some new footage that has been released from um, the January 6th um, riot. Mm-hmm. And people are starting to recognize specifically in this country, how quickly we went back to status quo. January 6th happened before the day was even over. We went right back into the certification of the election Two days later, there was a back and forth about whether or not the president was going to, well, the president at the time was going to be impeached for a second time. The House and the Senate went about their business, got it done, and then we had a new president inaugurated and just moved on with life. Like there was never a real realization. We are desensitized. No, 100%. <laughs> and that is significantly um, concerning that. Yeah. One, we're still hashing out. We still don't know the full details of all of this. There's starting to be speculations that different congressional members um, played a role in getting the um, insurrectionists in the Capitol, which is extremely concerning because they currently sit on our House floor. Um, But even beyond that, it's the fact that we are genuinely operating with business as usual. Our media outlets are allowing the Republican Party to continue to push this narrative that there were some nefarious actions during the election, but are also too focused on the Democrats right now and not on the fact that our entire democracy was a couple steps away. If there was, if it wasn't for one black man who literally led all of them the wrong direction, we could be having a very different conversation because there's a chance they could have gotten their hands on all the certifications, and that's never happened in American history. So, yeah. Yeah, it's fine. It's okay. Everything's fine. fine. There's flames around us right now. It's fine. Everything's fine. There's not flames because we actually didn't go past the debt ceiling like we were supposed to. But I digress. (laughs) We were supposed to. We were supposed to. Let it burn. We'll we'll watch the world burn, I think, in December now. Yeah. Hopefully it's around my birthday. Um, That's a great gift. (laughs) Um, Let's go around the world in under a minute. And no, Caleb, you should not time check me today. Um, On Friday, the Social Democrats, Greens, and um, Free Democrats moved forward with what has been called the Traffic Light Coalition, outlining um, aspirations for the post-Merkel government. Obviously, we're talking about Germany. Um, Their vision includes raising the minimum wage and phasing out coal power eight years earlier than previously Fantastic. Fantastic. That's from Politico. Um, Russia has suspended its mission at NATO um, in retaliation for the expulsion of Russian diplomats a couple uh, earlier this month. On Monday, Russia ordered the closure of the office in Moscow with the foreign minister, Sergei Lavrov, charging NATO isn't interested in any kind of equal dialogue or joint work from the Associated Press. And continuing our coverage on the tension in the Tigray region of Ethiopia, um, the Tigrayan People's Liberation Front, or TPLF, was acu- or has accused the government of launching airstrikes into the capital of the region. Residents of the city have shared reports validating these accusations, while the Ethiopian government continues to deny such acts um, and really charge, why would we fire on our own cities from Reuters? Hmm. And we'll be right back. And we're back. Is the Democratic Party splintering? Well, 
my time of defending Mansion is officially over, and you've all heard it here first. Granted, I haven't really defended him. I've just said, like, let him do his thing, have his process, but I digress. You've been an advocate for the legislative process. Yes, I'd argue. not so much Mansion. You're trying to bring a perspective of that the public doesn't need to necessarily know all the details about what's happening at every second of the day, even when we hear shitty things like Mansion doesn't support climate provisions i knew you were gonna harp on that great <laughs> no, segue. no 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 i'm no i'm serious but no yeah it's frustrating if anyone's been following what's happening we'll go into it more but i get it yeah and that's the whole piece right now for the democratic party of the build back better plan is continuing to face hurdles um specifically from a lovely senator from west virginia that just kind of seems to put a pep in his step and recognizing that his voice matters in this conversation, whether we believe it should or not. Um, obviously, you've heard about this, Caleb, and it, I think he's coming at it from two fronts right now, right? So there's this huge push right now to figure out the core of the climate agenda out of this plan because Senator Manchin has come forward and said it's a non-starter for him. He's from a coal-fired state like West Virginia and doesn't believe that anything energy effective makes sense, which is a whole nother issue and we can jump into that later. Um, but even beyond that, he then turned his sights to the child tier, child tax credit. I work in child care too much that I can't separate child and care anymore. Um, <laughs> and seems to be on a war path to one tether or work requirement to the tax credit and to limit how much money people get from the tax credit, which would completely undo it destroys the purpose of it. All the work that's been put so in. many people out, even if it's unintentional. And we're now in this space and we're in this conversation where I, I stand by that intro question of is the Democratic Party splintering? Uh I would say no. And um, this is why. Um, there might be people in the Senate that are more with Jim, Joe Manchin than we know about because Joe Manchin's doing all the talking. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, from a purely optics point of view, it looks like the whole Democratic Party is on board with getting a lot of these policies passed, except for like two people. And that's Cinema, Kristen Cinema from the Senator from Arizona and Joe Manchin, and obviously all the Republicans. But in the <laughs> but in the Democratic Party, that's that's what it looks like. It looks like those are the only two that are splintering away. <laughs> yeah. And I agree, but I, I want to push here of are we starting to see some faults around different policies? So you have this climate conversation. Um, and yes, Manchin is the biggest voice right here, right now, but recently Senator Tester um, came out in opposition because there was an idea to institute a carbon tax. So you have this, you're starting to see some, some spaces and some places of, um, okay, in climate, there are some clear divides that need to be figured out. You have in the house, um, there's been a huge push to give more money to states for their local tax deductions. And some centralists are starting to push back on that and say that, it's only going to help the rich. I don't support that any longer. And that's causing further contentions. All of this is rooted too in um, an article that Torrent shared with us from the New York Times or you. I can't remember who actually shared it. Um, from the New York Times that uh, supposed a world where there were six parties in America, three Democrat, 
three Republican um, and tried to do the work of breaking down how those parties would function, how they would look for the Democrats specifically. They came up with the new liberal party, the progressive party and the American labor party. Take a guess which one I landed in um, with the progressive false um, with the <laughs> no, new. You did. No, I didn't. Yes, you did. I landed in the new liberal party. <laughs> Actually, I landed perfectly in the middle of all three of them, which I was explains the new liberal. how just in the center I am. But that's also neither here nor there. What I really appreciated about this was um, for the new liberal party, it talks about this idea of a professional class establishment wing. Um, these people who are are focused on cosmopolitan views around social and race issues. Um, they're a lot more pro-business than the other wings are other than the labor party, but I'll digress into that later Um, versus the progressive party. These contentions that we're seeing right now that are focused on equity, racial justice um, with a strong vision of what an inclusive social democracy would look like Um, really pulling on the younger generation, really focused on educated folks, really just in these big policy change ideas Versus that of the new liberal party that is comfortable with the status quo, but recognizes that equity is necessary. And then you have the um, American Labor Party, which brings in Tester and brings in some of your more Rust Belt Democrats um, that is focused on economic populism, um, the appeal of the working class, not so much focused on that educated population, but really how do they go back and support the homegrown? So you, you have these three options, if you will, and... I open the floor and allow you to throw in more or say separate places because you already know I don't think that those three parties are a perfect mixture of where the party's at right now. But I really genuinely question as we're seeing climate become an issue, as we're seeing this uniform agreement that wealthier people should be paying more, but an unsure uh, policy driven perspective for where that money goes. Are we seeing a splinter? Uh, I mean, I think there's a couple like things that we should provide as context first. The first, the first is like this New York times quiz that we're referencing that splits people up into what potentially different parties from both sides splitting up would look like. And that's not scientific at all. No, <laughs> just there was like five questions. It was that a good, determined that there were twenty questions. It was a, okay. Yeah, it was a true. healthy clustering, though, to yeah. to really find some of those divisions. I completely agree. That um, it doesn't do the best job. Yeah, and another thing that we should probably note too is that like the Democratic Party itself is way more diverse in a lot of different factors: <laughs> race, location. Uh, 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 I'm struggling to remember other things it's diverse in <laughs> for some reason. But I guess what my point is, is that the Democratic Party has so many different competing sides. You know, you got progressives, you got moderates, and you got everything in between. And that could just, you know, it's just very, it's not the same as the Republican Party, which its base is mostly just white people that are against tend to be older black people (laughs) tend to be older people too and like so it's not surprising to see that there is going to be some big debates and drama around trying to figure out 
a spending bill that's numbers in the trillions of dollars. Like it just wasn't going to be that much of a surprise, to be honest. Um, I think, I don't think the democratic party is splintering. I really don't think it is. I mean, I don't, that's not saying that it shouldn't or it should, or that we should have a two party system at all. Mm -hmm. I'm not answering that. I just don't think it's actually splintering. I just think that this was expected. I think where my frustration lies in this whole process is like, I'm, I don't know. I've been thinking about this over the past few weeks and, you know, every time there's an article about Joe Manchin opposing this other really great policy that we want is just so frustrating that he has this power, but for some reason, anybody else in the Senate doesn't. But also, I'm also really frustrated by the fact that like, to me, it felt like three and a half trillion dollar spending plan was agreed upon. And apparently everybody else thought that too, like three or four months ago. Except for me. I will will say I always said this was not going to work. But what's frustrating to me is like when that was agreed upon, Chuck Schumer's been hiding this agreed upon terms with mansion that is only going to be one and a half trillion for three months. And nobody knew about it. Yep. I, it, the whole, what, what's frustrating isn't necessarily that Democrats are debating and everybody's a little different and we have moderates and mm-hmm. centrists and, and liberals and progressives. And I mean, we're, we're, we were always going to have to debate yeah. what was going into this bill. Um, what's frustrating is like how it's been handled. And like the fact that the fact that it was, it was, I'm going to say supposed to be, I know you're not going to agree, but the fact that it was supposed to be three and a half trillion dollars. And then Chuck Schumer's just been sitting on this, sitting on this piece of paper that said, no, it's going to be $2 trillion less than that for three months without telling anybody really kind of blew up the thing in my opinion. Not that it wasn't going to be before, but it just feels a lot more messy and frustrating than maybe it had to be. I feel like I'm converting you to the anti-Schumer wing of the party, and I'm very happy with that. Well, it's frustrating. Yeah. And, and, and you made a point a while ago where you were saying we should put some of these policies just by themselves up to vote, even if Republicans do say no, but maybe you'll get some of them to say yes. I'm not a big believer you get any Republicans to say yes. We know. But this is the strategy Chuck Schumer laid out when he was the majority leader, when he first became it, and he hasn't done it. He hasn't done anything. It, okay, so Republicans vote no. Put it in the reconciliation bill if they vote no and everybody else agrees. Yeah. I don't. Why aren't we doing that? I don't know. It's just very. <laughs> it's very frustrating, and I don't think I don't think the Democratic Party is splintering, but I think there's a lot of frustration specifically over two members. And to be honest, I share some of that. Yeah, and we were talking about this a little bit off air before we started, and I appreciate you bringing Schumer into the conversation because <laughs> I do I do think he he plays into the splintering right, and mm-hmm. and he is. As the majority leader, he should be able to pull in all of these different groups. Like he should be able to. Biden's doing that. Exactly. He, he should be able to connect with the centralist part. He shouldn't feel like he has to, because let's call it what it is. Schumer's playing the progressive game because he's fearful that he might get challenged in his um, reelection. It's doubtful, but he's fearful of it. And he wants to play up this. I care about um, student loan debt. I'm right alongside Elizabeth Warren and all of these policy things, I'm locking stuff and it's made it messy. Mm-hmm. Um, but just like we were talking about off air of this tension that cinema scene, because she won't come out like um, mansion and put out an op-ed saying, yep, here are all the things I disagree with. 
here's what I want. She's only really come out and say she doesn't support um, the Medicare exchange. We all know it's because she's getting funding funding from Big Pharma for her reelection campaign. Call it what it is. And and that also plays into this conversation of the splinter a little bit that I want to touch on. But um, what's frustrating with that is I think the American people are recognizing after four years of a president who would tweet out everything he was thinking before he would tell Congress or his policy advisors, we're now in a space where we're not getting that. And it's okay. very, yeah, I didn't think about it that way. It's very infuriating. It's very frustrating of, okay, well, so what are we doing? Like, how are we getting here? And then you have this majority leader who, instead of allowing bills to be written, he's been pushing for these frameworks. Let's just get the basic ideas down and we'll vote on that. And then we'll work on the bill later. And very similar to what we were talking about off the air. Um, when you do that, you allow for uh, a mansion to come out and say, I don't support any of these climate things without really knowing what the climate things are. You knew what the concept was going to be, but you didn't understand the functionality of it. You don't have policy advisors who can back you up and say, nope, they're funded. Here's how they're going to do it. This will impact the elect- um, the electric grid by this much because we just aren't getting that. So Again, I come back to my constant disdain for Chuck Schumer, but I also want to lean into that of um, if that's the if that's the makings and metrics of where we're at, how do we start building that coalition again? What are the things that we're missing to allow for these big policy initiatives to start happening? What are the things? That's a really that's a that's a question. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> what are we what are we missing? I am. Um, I don't know. A majority leader that doesn't play like a minority leader. <laughs> Um, look, I mean, Joe Biden right now is, I think it's today, which is Tuesday. Cause you know, we record on we Tuesdays. We record on Tuesday. Like you love to remind people all the time. Every week. Basically. <laughs> um, tweet at me if you're mad. Um, <laughs> I, you have Joe Biden meeting with both moderates mm-hmm. and then a couple hours later meeting with progressives and he's doing all the work of actually getting them to work together and agree on some things in this process, which is fine. Joe Biden has been, and maybe still is a little bit a creature of the Senate and 100%. should be involved in the process. But where's Schumer? <laughs> I haven't heard of his name one time in all of this. What's he doing? <laughs> Follow up to that. Does it bother you that vice president Kamala Harris is not more in the narrative too, as the president of the Senate? Um, I don't know. That's, that's, that's a good question. Mm-hmm. I haven't heard about her in a while either. And I think she's still doing some foreign tours and stuff. Yeah. I, um, I don't know because, because Harris, I mean, Harris is reliably a yes vote in any tie, yeah. but um, I, I like, what are her, I guess my question is more about like her kind of initiatives that she's working on. I don't really think this bill's as much a part of it. Although I think she could be brought in with Biden if he decides to go on a little bit more of a tour to highlight what this bill is going to do for people. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I just, I'm just so frustrated with Manchin. Like I, this is going to be kind of a tangent, but like Manchin comes out and he goes, Oh, climate change. What? I'm going to take the best policy that we have for climate change. The biggest one that would actually subvert our carbon dioxide emissions or whatnot and Mm -hmm. get us to clean energy by 2035, which is Biden's plan. And he wants 
he doesn't like it. Yeah. He wants that. He wants that out. And this policy basically says that um, it rewards companies for doing green energy, clean energy, all that, but it penalizes companies who stick with mm-hmm. bad energy. <laughs> Like fossil fuels, you know, Not coal, things like that. And here's the thing is like coal in West Virginia in the past has been a big industry, but it's been declining significantly ever since for years. It's been declining. It's not as big of a deal as it once was. They don't even have as many mines open as they used to. Exactly. But what Especially also frustrates me so much is that West Virginia is like poised to be hit so hard with heavy flooding and rains and and the valleys that these towns are in, in West Virginia, like make it difficult for people. They would have to climb mountains to get out of a massive flood quickly. And that's obviously very dangerous and difficult, but it just feels like mansions not even thinking about it. Hmm. And then like some people point uh, to like how he has a lot of money invested in coal in his state and whatnot. Yeah. And God damn it. I hate that shit. But like, <laughs> It's also the the child tax um, credit, you know, it brought like more children out of poverty than like any other policy we've had in American history. Yeah. Why would we want to change that? It just doesn't seem like he's even thinking about like his own constituents. Like all of these things help his own constituents out and not doing them continues to hurt them, arguably. And I don't know. It's like, it just... It's frustrating to see it because like, it's hard to make sense of it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why it's frustrating for someone like me to understand that. And I don't know. I really feel like, I know this has been a narrative and I don't know. I don't know how much this is going to be backed up when the election comes around, but there's just been this narrative that this might be our like last chance in a long time to do something about climate, like significantly. Because everyone's prepared that the Democrats are going to get their butts handed to them in the midterms, which I'm still, the jury's out on that one. I, yeah, the jury's out. Like like I said, we'll see how much this holds up. But I still think that like, if you believe that, then let's do it. And then Manchin taking away the biggest policy that matters. Like, I, I don't, I'm confident Democrats here are going to pass something and it's probably going to be north of of $1 trillion. It's going to be oh, 1.5 yeah, to gonna, 2. It's probably going to end up at like 2, 2.3 is what I've been yeah, hearing. It's going to happen, but it's like, and I know there's so many good policies in this whole thing, but it's like the ones that we're hearing about uh, people opposing seem to be like the biggest features of what that bill could have been. Yeah. And that's what's frustrating to me is it's like, these are the biggest, baddest, best things, baddest in a good way, like best policies to pass that really help climate change. They really help child poverty, things like that. And, and, drug pricing for God's sake. And those are the, those big policies are the ones that you're against. Like, come on, pick something else <laughs> to be against. <laughs> I was laughing because you reminded me of a TikTok, of course. Um, of course, as you remind the viewers every week, as I remind the viewers every week, but there is, there's a really funny um, TikTok series right now of this African-American woman who um is reading through comments of like what are some african-american slang or vernacular that's used that throw off their caucasian friends and the minute you were like bad but bad in a good way that immediately popped in my head of (laughs) for me i knew exactly what you meant but clarifying was funny um but the short answer to that is obviously it's the fact that the supreme court ruled on citizens united and oh yeah there's a lot of money here and that's where i kind of come to and think 
maybe there is some validity here. The opinion article you shared around Mansion that went on this whole rant about arbitrary centralism and why they felt a certain way about um, Mansion. You already know I had some pushback on there. I I think they tried to make a lot of things too mutually exclusive. But one point that I left on was, okay, fine. If their real outcome is the fact that um, Manchin and Cinema are not Democrats and they are conservatives just in disguise, then fine, let them change parties. Do you know what that means? McConnell becomes Senate Majority Leader again. We now yeah. no longer have a, a path to win the Senate. And that all gets rooted, not so much in their ideology, but where their money's coming from. So even if you focus on it from that space... I do start seeing some validity of maybe there are some splinters. Maybe there are some spaces that the party is being funded from two very different camps. And I can see the, maybe not a direct party like the New York times article did, but I can start seeing, seeing the climate hawks become a little bit more prevalent in your AOCs, your Warrens, um, Debbie Stabenow, lo and behold, huge advocate right now. Um, I can see your individuals who are coming from the working class, like your Bernie Sanders, so forth and so on. Oh, completely. So there is starting to see that, that space and that push. If we follow the money and if we use that as a guide, is there anything that they can all end up agreeing on? Yes. Uh, Like I said before, I am confident something's going to get done. It's just not going to be exactly the bill we wanted it to be. Mm -hmm. And that's the unfortunate part about it. Um, I think the uh, arbitrary centrism comment, I that article is interesting, and yeah, I, I don't think that kicking Joe Manchin in cinema or driving them out of the Democratic Party is the answer here. I think that's stupid and silly. And well, tell the rest of the populace that. <laughs> and we're to be honest, like we have to like remember that like the fact that we have a Democrat from West Virginia at all is like kind of a big deal, and genuinely Arizona too. Even though Arizona is probably going to be more blue in the future. Yeah, we'll see. Um, it's just, I think like what the author meant by that in that opinion piece is it just seems like Joe Manchin, and maybe this is the way the, the media is portraying it. And maybe that's, I don't know if that's intentional in so much as they just don't know all the information that's going on behind the scenes. And like you said, we don't have a tweeter in chief, you know, but um, it just seems like, we just get these stories. Joe Manchin doesn't like this policy, so we're not doing it. And that's what we get. And it it feels arbitrary and it feels like weird centrism that doesn't make sense. What's the reason behind it? We don't get that. It's just, he's against it. Mm-hmm. That's all. So I, I get, I get, I get that part of it, but I don't think we should be driving these people out. It just doesn't feel like there's a rhyme or reason to it. Is there, we had this episode a while ago about the purity test. Um, and I feel like I'm diving into that a little bit here, but is there on that funding piece again, is there a limit to who can fund Democrats? Is that where we're starting to get to a limit? Like can big pharma truly fund a democratic candidate? Cinema is the example I'm using here. Can, yes. (laughs) Can, um, coal industry or a coal union or, uh, a big fossil fuel like an Exxon fund a Democrat. Are we are we starting to move to a space where those type of funding streams are becoming more detrimental to candidates and leading to this 
are we splintering? Are we, uh, is there a chance for all these pieces? Not because they're, they're wrong, but because we are genuinely starting to get these hubs of funding sources, specifically in the Senate where we're at a 50, 50, where yes, cinema being funded by big pharma is enough to actually hold up a major piece of legislation because she wants to argue that Medicare should not be able to negotiate coal and Exxon being able to fund a couple of senators is enough to hold up big legislation because even though the rest of the party wants to have a conversation about climate change, they don't want to see that, that line of funding when they know they're going into a competitive um, campaign season be cut. I kind of fall back to something Elizabeth Warren was advocating for at the very beginning of Biden's term. And really before that, I think throughout her presidential campaign And that's that um, we need to get special interests out of our government Mm -hmm. um, or at least tone down from what they are right now um, before we really start to do this kind of legislating. Because, I mean, special interests are written all over why these two senators are against some of the most popular policies of the day in, in the bill itself. And so... I kind of fall back on that one in terms of in terms of what we need to do with special interests. That probably won't happen, obviously, in the Senate. Or well, it might happen in the House, but it probably won't happen in the Senate. But um, I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't know. Like, like I guess as a candidate, you can like accept money or not. But mm-hmm. like big, massive companies like big pharma and stuff. They don't just donate to like specific candidates. They donate to almost every candidate. When I went to um, I went to the APAC conference. Don't ask me what the acronym is. I always forget. But it's the uh, it's the uh, basically the PAC for Political Action Committee for uh, Israel Relations. Mm-hmm. And they, I, I went to a really interesting breakout where they talked about it was their like government relations director, and they talked about all the all the races that they were following Mm -hmm. and they always, every single race that they fall, which is practically everyone in the country. If I think it is everyone of them in the country, even if they're not competitive is they, they request a meeting with the candidate and they ask like three questions. Basically, do you support Israel? Blah, 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 stuff like that. Yeah. And then if the candidate basically says yes, then they're like, okay, we support you. Here's a few thousand dollars. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's every single one of these companies does that. Like yeah. you don't usually have, you don't usually have a big company that only donates to one candidate. And the reason for that is because that company wants to be seen as, um, uh, wants to be seen favorably amongst those, those political um, candidates and elected officials so that they don't enact policies that hurts their business. Mm -hmm. And like, that's really the strategy there. So like big pharma, my answer to that is yes, you can have big pharma supporting a Democrat because they probably already support, support most of the Democrats in Congress. I would even some progressives, I bet. Yeah. Pretty sure AOC gets a little bit from one of the pharmaceutical giants. That doesn't mean that you can't like, you can accept the money as a donation for your political campaign and use it and whatever, that doesn't mean you necessarily have to, it's not a quid pro quo, although some take it very seriously like okay, that. Trump. Well, it, it's not, I mean, 
the company kind of hopes it is. That's what they're signaling. But they can't. The candidate or the senator or the representative, like AOC, obviously wants to vote for drug price negotiation, right? Mm-hmm. But like Mansion, maybe that he got more support. Maybe he didn't. Or I mean, Cinema doesn't, right? Like I don't know. It's just the answer. The long. That was the long answer to your question. The short answer is yes, these massive companies and industries can support all the candidates. And unfortunately, um, until we get Elizabeth Warren's dreams of reining in special interests, uh, they are probably going to have an outsized influence on our legislative process. Yeah, that's fair. And I feel like we didn't get an exact answer on, well, I mean, we did. No, the party's not splintering, but I mean, it could, it could, Should we have a two party system. <laughs> you already know the answer to that for me. No, absolutely not. Then it could, but it won't, it won't. So no, <laughs> um, but with all the pieces set and everything kind of laying out where we are, if you, if you had the option or had the opportunity to just get this stupid bill across the finish line like it's a reconciliation it just needs 50 what's that one thing that needs to happen oh my god you're why are you making me answer that there's so many things that need to happen oh but are you talking about the legislative process or a policy i'm just talking about policy just to put you on the spot because well you i know, know what your one policy is look look oh i think look i think all the ones that have been refused should be in the bill, obviously, but um, I'll stick on brand with my climate personality here. And I'll say the climate thing needs to absolutely happen because that, if that doesn't happen. Um, the long-term consequences are we all die. <laughs> <laughs> Is that a bad thing? Um, <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> but I, I use that as the closer because what about you though? <laughs> trying to escape. Yeah, I was really trying to escape. <laughs> Um, I was going to say, I'm using that as a closer because right now in the House, the majority leader, um, Representative Hoyer, is really kind of saying that I rather have large programs that last versus a bunch of small programs that end quickly. And I feel like that's become that's becoming the message that's pulling the party together. So knowing that there's a group that's going to say climate change is my my red line or for me. Mm-hmm. It'll probably be the child care or the child tax credit because yeah, it pulls 60% of children out of poverty. Like it's hard not to support that. And especially it's something that a yeah. lot of us touch. I have a lot of friends who are, who have transitioned out of the workforce because they can't afford childcare anymore or mm-hmm. don't have quality access to childcare. Um, it just it's one of those policies that just makes sense. So yeah. If those are the two policies that have to get forced through, I'm okay at the end of the day. Yeah. Same. And we'll be right back. Take us on a tangent, Caleb. Okay, Terrell, I don't really have a tangent because I kind of went off on Joe Manchin earlier. Nah. <laughs> Fair. I will say quickly, though, that it's another HBO Max shout out kind of day. And oh my God, Succession. The yes. new season, season three of Succession came out, and it's just glorious as usual. I hope anyone 
who's listening to this that doesn't watch Succession, I hope you give the show a chance. It's funny, mm. horrifying, mm. and I think it just really understands the family dynamics of power. All right, Terrell, your turn. <laughs> Take us on a tangent. It's not even that good. Um, Shut up. It's not. It's like TV's best show right now. Everybody loves it. It's because that. there's nothing better on. Obviously, you rise to the top of a trash can when I, everything else is heavier trash. Wow, very critical. Um, <laughs> I also watched the third season of Sex Education. And oh, my God. So that, good. That show is so good, too. By far one of the best it's shows. Such a weird show, and I love every second of it. Yeah, it is. It's pretty. It's weird. pretty weird. It's pretty weird. It does a good job of like actually educating, though. Yes. Except I really didn't like how it ended because I wanted more, but it's fine. Did you watch season three? Yeah. I there was a couple things, and that's I thought it was actually a really good season, but yes. there was a couple things in it that you know I wish they would have drawn out a little bit more yes specifically the thing that happens at the very end that everyone had been waiting for for the longest only for it eh, to be like that one i wasn't as attached to that i, want, I was i was more interested in a uh ever since the earlier voicemail. relationship to be explored a little bit more if you know what i'm talking about. also fair i both of that. them i would have been happy if they got explored more yeah but after the voicemail i was very very tethered to that one yeah yeah um anyways now that we're done talking in code (laughs) um (laughs) yeah no my rant is a little bit different um if people miss the news um general colin Powell passed away Mm -hmm. um over the weekend from complications from covid um and in stereotypical american fashion it has transpired into the space of do we honor him? Do we, how do we handle his legacy? Da, 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 da. And has become this just painstaking action that always happens in um, America, specifically to our black and brown folk. Ronald Reagan is still being championed as the greatest president in the Republican Party history. Nixon literally had to resign because he was going to be impeached, but you don't hear a lot of bad things about him when people speak about him passing, other than the fact he was a crook. But then he went off, wasn't a president anymore, and no one really no one really cared. Um, but then you have people like Eartha Kitt, who passed away in, I want to say, 2014. Um, don't quote me on that time, because I can't remember off the top of my head, but... The first Catwoman brought her to main stage, had a huge impact. What is she remembered for the most? The fact that she stood up in the White House and disagreed with Vietnam. And then the White House blackballed her and she had to flee to another country to have a career. You have Colin Powell, who was the first um, African-American chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff he made a bad call, but in stereotypical leadership fashion, he owned it and came out and said, I was going off of poor intelligence and I made the wrong call and stood by that. Even so much so that um, recently Bob Woodward let out some recordings and some articles that they had together where he further reinforced that of that was, I made a bad call and, and I have to own that. I don't blame Joe Biden for how the withdrawal from Afghanistan happened because 
it should have never been us. We, we had no place there. It needed to be the Afghan people who pushed for democracy and changed it. We can't just have a, I think the direct quote was, we can't just have a couple hundred um, soldiers there and think that that's going to make a change if the people aren't there to push it. You have all these pieces and you have the progressives coming out. Well, not all the progressives. I don't want to paint them with a broad swap, but a, a few progressives coming out and just harping on it. And it's unfair. I mean, for me personally, um, he played a huge role in my coming into politics. So I obviously have a bias here, but he showed that African-Americans aren't a monolith. We aren't all Democrats. We all don't have the same view of politics. Mm-hmm. Um, he he showed leadership when it was still a question if we could have an African-American president. He voted for Obama. Um, it, he came out forcefully against Donald Trump when his own party wasn't doing it. He has always been that person of integrity. And yes, you might make poor choices, but one choice can't set the tone for the rest of your life. Um, So I just had a lot of frustration this weekend with that. And the fact that there's a bunch of white folk who are now super happy that Donald Trump, I'm trying to censor myself. So that's why I keep awkwardly stopping. Um, Donald Trump issued a statement that essentially is one of the most disrespectful, vile, ungrateful statements I've ever read from any person, let alone a former president um, that literally ended. Oh, and I guess rest in peace as we're talking about this, this champion in American history. So yeah, that was my tangent. I'm just very frustrated with the reaction, not even the reaction, just the fact that we've entered this space in modern time where one decision can set the entire trajectory of how you're remembered for the rest of your life. Any good you've done, anything that you you could yeah. stand by, yeah. because you made one poor decision, you're always going to be remembered for that. But because race isn't everything, there's always a few people who get uh, escape. Um, Bernie Sanders voted for the Iraq War. It's in the record. It's provable. He came out and said, "I made a poor decision," and he still has a mass of people who will support him to the end of the day and say, well, yeah, he was operating on bad intelligence because he got the intelligence from the same people Colin Powell did. But those two individuals are not able to be held to the same standard because one is supposed to be this great champion, but the other one can't be seen that way. So, yeah, I, this kind of thing frustrates me greatly too. I am. The only thing I'm going to really say to it is like, I think, we all forget that like the people that lead this country and make those decisions are like just humans, just like us. Mm -hmm. And like, they're going to make mistakes. Granted, some mistakes are quite large and bad. Yes. But like, I, what I have a hard time with, with like how we approach when people die and stuff is like, there's some people that make unforgivable mistakes and I get that. But but defining a person because they they made one decision, right, mm-hmm. is just not, I don't know. It's not how I like to live my life. And I wish it wasn't the mob mentality of our culture this day either. Yeah. I wish it wasn't like that. 
That's all I'm going to say about it. But rest in peace, Colin Powell. Well, that's our show. (laughs) I'm Caleb. I'm Terrell. And we're Dangerously Likely to see you next week.